Well, that was another wasted season of football. What else is there to do? Oh. Hi, I'm Joel Garcia. Welcome to the season premiere of the Pop Culture Shuffle. On the season premiere, I have a few things to talk about. First up, a long-lost interview with a certain San Diego journalist. Then, I talk about a social experiment I did involving two warehouse stores. And the results will be... Well, very predictable depending on which warehouse store you're a fan of. And finally, as you probably heard at the start, my brief thoughts on the Chargers season coming to an abrupt end. But before we get to that, let's talk about local television in America's finest city. As 2022 came to a close, several journalists within NBC's owned and operated affiliates retired their long careers in journalism. One of these journalists was Artie Ojeda of San Diego's NBC affiliate, KNSD 739. Back when I was at San Diego State University, around a decade ago, I had the opportunity to meet Mr. Ojeda, a fellow proud Aztec for life, at an event held on campus. If I recall correctly, it was a great presentation about working in television and showing how to organize an evening newscast. At the end of the event, he handed out to everyone his business card, which featured the affiliate's short-lived branding of NBC San Diego. On a side note, this was at a time when the station began to downplay its over-the-air channel number of 39, and instead emphasized their cable channel number of 7. This is why when you use an antenna to find the NBC station in San Diego, it'll come up as 39.1. But if you were on cable or satellite, it's channel 7. Bringing it back to Mr. Ojeda, I vividly recall seeing the first HD newscast on NBC7, which he anchored alongside their very blue graphics. In the fall of 2013, during the start of my final year at SDSU, I was given an assignment to interview a couple of journalists. As far as I could recall, this was the first time I ever had to interview anybody, or at least someone I didn't know beforehand. I was unsure who I could find to talk to, especially because I didn't know any journalists. I remember having Mr. Hayda's card in my wallet, just in case I either decided to apply to work at NBC7, or spotted something newsworthy. I was unsure if I could even send him an email asking to be interviewed, as I assumed he would probably be busy covering either some big story or anchoring the weekend news. I sent the email, explained that I saw him at that SDSU event, and if I could interview him. I had the possibility in the back of my mind that he would tell me he was unavailable and was preparing to email either anyone else at Channel 7 or one of the other stations, such as anyone at the late XCTV6, which is a story for another day. To my surprise, he quickly responded and accepted. We worked out a date and time, Saturday, September 21st, after 4pm at the NBC building in downtown San Diego. 
The unusual time gave me the opportunity to see Mr. Heda anchor the evening newscast, which I think was around 6pm, mostly because I remember at one point seeing a small TV in the office airing the Aztecs Oregon State football game, which they lost by the way. Also because I had to get this interview done before Wednesday and was admittedly running out of time. It was an amazing experience just to be inside the studios since I was able to see the behind the scenes of a local newscast, from how the weather report is shown without a prompter, to how a control room operates, and I can still remember seeing all the competitors, and I quickly said 5, 6, 8, 9, 10, and of course, countdowns. After the newscast, Mr. O'Hare and I went into an editing booth to conduct our interview. Now, at the time, I went on to use that interview for my written assignment, and buried it into some flash drive. In light of Mr. Ojeda's retirement, and after several weeks of digging around for it, I've decided to publicly present our interview for the first time ever. I should note that I had to cut down the interview due to some really inconsistent audio quality, as well as some rambling. I spent part of the time talking about things like the Padres' then new TV broadcaster, Fox Sports San Diego, which is history branded to Bali, iOS 7, since I recorded this on an iPod Touch, as well as my work-life balance. I did keep in a part about my hometown NBC affiliate, KYMA11, the ones to watch, since it connects with a few of the questions I gave to Mr. Ojeda. So, for the first time ever in public, here is my interview with San Diego journalist, Artie Ojeda. So if I'm right, you are Artie Ojeda, right? Yes. <laughs> All right. What is your job description? Uh, I am a anchor and reporter at KNSD NBC7. And this might sound weird because you do two different jobs on a weekend and weekday. Mm -hmm. What are your day-to-day -day operations? Yeah. Um, on weekends, I anchor the newscast at 6 o'clock and 11 o'clock. And it's just basically um, gathering the day's news um, writing stories and then presenting them on the news as an anchor. And then three days during the week, I'm a field reporter, and that basically means in the morning we get an assignment, then we go out and gather the information, shooting pictures, video of the particular story that we're working on, interviewing people that are connected to that story, coming back, writing the story, and then editing the story and putting it together for that afternoon's newscasts. How do you deal with people at work? What do you mean? Like, <laughs> like are, you, are, you, are you friendly with everybody or like people, grudges with people? Or? Oh, no. Um, at this particular station, um, everybody is friendly and supportive and without a doubt, there has to be a large amount of teamwork because in virtually everything that we do, you depend upon somebody else. In my case, when I anchor the news, whether it's the person operating the camera to have the shot framed up, to the person running the teleprompter. You know, you saw him, you know, rolling the teleprompter, the words as um, as um, we read read the copy. Without that, I mean, it's a very tough time doing our job. So um, everybody gets along, and there's a great um, amount of teamwork and pride that goes into it.
Okay, yeah, because like, I noticed the teleprompter, like, it moved, but all the time it turned off, that's when they were doing the weather. Mm-hmm. Because I'm, I noticed that most of the time when you do the teleprompter, you mostly improvise at points. Sometimes you do, just, uh, you know, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because like, I know, like, this one thing, then it's just something different, right. so that, that was one thing I noticed. Another thing I wanted to ask was, and I often notice this on newscasts because the the studio looks like something based off the New York studio from the Today Show, and what I've noticed is like whenever they're doing a newscast, there's always people in the background. Like at the daytime, it's mostly empty and there'll be cars, but at night, people are like waving their hands and doing yeah. stuff, and I and I can see them like, and and, and I wonder if like they if anyone like any security like go outside and tell them to get out. Um, yeah, sometimes they do if they're doing something that's inappropriate. Um, we also have on our set a, um, a screen that we'll, we can put up, and it actually blocks the window. If there's, um, you know, we've had situations where there's protesters out there, and they just want to get, you know, some time on the TV, and we'll put that up to block the window. All right, that mostly answers my question of how do you deal with your audience, because... <laughs> Yeah, because, like, I noticed that of all the stations, like, you're the only one that actually has an outside window because right. everyone else is either in a studio or in a newsroom. Yeah. So. I think the, other, the only other um, broadcaster that has, you know, a live audience probably is during the Padre games, during the um, Fox Sports telecast. You oh, yeah. can see action going on in the background. All right, so, yeah, but do you have any viewers who complain to you or complain about the news? Um... You know, it doesn't happen too often, but sure, sometimes there are people that that complain. They may think that a particular story isn't balanced, or maybe there is a you know a factual, an unintentional factual mistake that they'll call us on. And um, depending on the severity of the mistake, uh, we may correct it on the air if um, you know there's a potential for a lawsuit or you know any kind of legal action. Do you have any complaints for people of various cultures who, like, criticize or think it's a little racist or something? I think, um, you know, we don't, I don't hear or know of too many people that make those kinds of formal complaints, but I will tell you that we try to make an effort to be as diverse as we possibly can when we're doing stories. So, in other words, you know, we try to interview people of color to, um, you know be as representative of the community as we possibly can. What is currently the best way to get a job in television journalism? Well, there are no rules. You can talk to anybody in this building and they will give you a different story on how they got there. But I think the one consistent thing that everybody will tell you is that while you're in college, try to get an internship, uh, whether it's at a TV station, a radio station, Whatever it is that your field of interest is, if it's, you know, sales, uh, in a sales department, you, you know, somewhere. Um, because it, first of all, gives you a foot in the door. It gives you a first-hand look, first-hand experience about exactly, you know, what's going on. A couple of people that you saw in the studio tonight, they were interns. And so they're just, you know, they're, they're there getting practical experience. And oftentimes, um, we find that... Interns will come in and they think this is what they want to do. But because of the internship, they realize, well, maybe this is not for me. And it helps them, you know, make a career decision, you know, the other way. This is not what I want to do. But 
Um, I think most people will tell you that it is an extreme advantage if you're able to get an internship so you can just basically see how, how it's done. Okay, okay, that, 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 that kind of affects the, question, the next question I had here, but because like I I I really I really mentioned about the about where I live in the Imperial Valley about the station mm -hmm. that station like in case you're wondering it's KYMA, mm -hmm. and it's, the reason it's KYMA is because it's, it's Yuma because mm -hmm. it's unusual because like in Imperial Valley because of the small population the Yuma stations broadcast to them so mm -hmm. it's it's a little unusual so like example I showed it could air here at eight p.m. Over in October, it air at 6 p.m., so that, that's, a, that's right. a weird thing. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah, that's right, because the time zone yeah. situation. Even weirder, they, that NBC station only goes HD for sports or full-time during the day, when Daylight Savings is over. Hmm. But anyway, getting back to the question, yeah, yeah, though, I think if you have an opportunity to get an internship you know, at one of those stations because you live out there, that might benefit you tremendously. But would it be better to start journal being being journalism at a distant station like in the Imperial Valley or maybe some distant city in a in Nebraska or something, or would it better start at a place more populated like here in San Diego or Los Angeles? Well, again, there are no rules, but typically, um, you would go to a smaller market, a smaller city, to get that experience and then kind of move up in the ranks. Think of it like, like a baseball player. Before they get to the major leagues, they'll play single-A baseball, and then get promoted to double-A baseball, and then get promoted to triple-A before they ever make it to the majors. For me personally, I started in a small city in West Texas, Abilene, Texas. Then I moved to Tucson, Arizona. Then I moved to San Diego. Then I actually went up to Los Angeles for a few years, and then came back down to San Diego. Oh. Typically, the bigger the city, the more experience that they require. So to get that experience, you typically would have to go to a smaller market and then work your way up. Okay. Do you think that YouTube could help journalists enter the media industry? Because I haven't gone on recently, but like in the past I've done several videos where I've shown my experiences of like... There's a video I have on YouTube, which is about that Padres-Dodgers game, in which I recorded my entire experience at that game, like, mm -hmm. from the, when it started all the way to, like, 2 in the morning, yeah. and, like, me criticizing how, how long this game <laughs> took, like... Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe it could help you. Maybe not. I mean, it, it's, again, it's one of those things where there are, are no rules, but, you know, you've seen pieces of video that have gone viral, and everybody watches it. Yet for every viral video, there's probably millions of others that nobody sees or nobody really cares about. Yeah. So it's just, you know, there's no answer to that. As a journalism student at SDSU in my senior year, because this is on my second to last semester, mm -hmm. is there anything else I could do to start my career in journalism before graduating? Um, sure. I mean, just keep job hunting. Um, most of um, the stations have their websites and you do a search on jobs and see if there's in, any openings. Um, I've also had students who have been in that same situation where um, for whatever reason they didn't get an internship and they graduated, they'll enroll at a community college um, you know, for one class at City College making them eligible to get the internship. Uh, yeah, because like that, that leads to my next question: Is it too late to apply for an internship for me? Because 
Again, like, I've been avoiding it because, frankly, I wanted to focus more on class, and these last two semesters, I have five classes per semester. Yeah. Because I'm trying to catch up and, and have a conflict with some classes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a very real scenario. And so, you know, you just have to um, either drop your workload or, you know, suck it up. Um, or, um, you know, wait till you graduate and maybe re-enroll at another college to get that internship. But, again... There are no rules. Everybody does it differently. You know, who knows? You could go online and there could be a job opening, and next thing you know, you have, you got the job. Do you have any additional advice that you could give me on entering journalism on television? Um, no, that's pretty much what we've been talking about. Again, I, in my opinion, uh, that internship is absolutely critical because, like I said, you could get in here and realize, you know, this is not... This is not for me. So what I would do is I would go to the websites, uh, whether it's a TV station, a radio station, or any company that you might be interested in, and just do a search on either internships, jobs, just see what's, see what's out there. But you have to do it. You have to be aggressive or else it's never going to happen. All right. Well. Cool. Yeah, this is a great interview. I, I have to admit, like, it's... A little stranger because, like, I didn't expect to get the, the, the I didn't, first I didn't expect to be here. Like, no, just like the reason I did it today instead of Wednesday was because the, the assignment is due on Thursday. So. Uh, got it. Well, hopefully, I helped you out. All right, Joel, I got to get going. All right, then. Th thank you very much. You bet. All right. Good luck. A few years after graduating from SDSU, I took Mr. Hayda's advice and assigned to enroll at San Diego City College which offered a class where students could produce their own weekly newscast known as News Scene. I should also note that Mr. Ojeda previously attended City College, although that was not why I applied to go there. Combined with working for a brief moment in time at City College's student-run radio station, as well as the pandemic, it helped me decide where I wanted to take my broadcasting career in which I want to refer to work more on the radio and podcasting side over, say, television. It led me to produce this podcast and eventually graduate from City College with an associate's degree in radio, along with a few certificates, the latter of which I am finishing up by May. As I continue to look for work in the industry, I feel very proud to have interviewed Mr. Ojeda and wish him well in his retirement. If you would like to check out some of his work, CVS 8 San Diego has uploaded several of his reports from his time at the station during the late 80s on their YouTube channel. You can also follow him on Twitter at RDNBCSD. Finally, I want to talk about warehouse stores. And it all begins with, of all places, T-Mobile. Now for those of you who aren't T-Mobile subscribers, they have this thing every Tuesday called T-Mobile Tuesdays. It's a sort of rewards program in which it thanks its users by essentially giving them something away, like movie tickets, gas discounts, and occasionally something interesting like, say, a subscription to Instacart or some other service. Early last year, I was given the opportunity to get a discounted membership for Sam's Club, which I found really interesting. 
Now, when it comes to warehouse stores, everyone immediately thinks of Costco, and it's understandable why. Costco is a huge store, it's prevalent around the world. But then there's also Sam's Club, which is technically the second biggest warehouse store in the world. Most people might not be aware of it, or even remember that it's owned by Walmart. So if you've ever been to a Sam's Club and wonder why it's near a Walmart, that's why. I can recall how long ago I used to go to the Sam's Club in Calexico, before it was closed, as well as the Sam's Club in Mexicali. And how I stopped going after a while, mostly because our family membership expired and in the end we preferred Costco. Going to Sam's Club always felt really bland compared to Costco at the time. But when I got this offer from T-Mobile, I decided, sure, why not? It was discounted, it let me go into Sam's Club, and in the span of a year, I pretty much realized why I don't go to Sam's Club anymore. Let's just start off by pointing out the big detail here. In San Diego, there are several Costco locations. You can easily find a Costco within a 30 mile span. There's a Costco in say Fenton Parkway next to the Aztecs football stadium. There's a Costco in Chula Vista near the trolley and so on and so forth. Not even counting the ones in Tijuana, which I think is one of the few places that I've seen that has more than one Costco in Mexico. By comparison, there is only one Sam's Club in all of San Diego, and it's in the most hidden part of the county. That wound up being my first nitpick with this membership. Just the fact that there's only one Sam's Club in all of San Diego, and even if I were to say, oh, but what about the Sam's Club back in Mexicali? Eh, no. I'll get more into why I prefer Costco in a minute, but first, let's just keep talking about Sam's. Getting the membership was relatively easy, since it was just a case of me walking into the store, showing them my ID, and then just giving me a plastic card. And there are things that I enjoyed about Sam's Club that I would not have expected because I've been so accustomed to going to Costco. For starters, they have a lot of brand food names. Which is not to say that Costco doesn't have that, it's just that when it comes to Costco's brand food names, they tend to be more of, oh, Kirkland Signature and maybe the occasional recognizable name. Also, when I think of Costco, I think more of the things they provide there that you won't find elsewhere, like, oh, cookies, muffins, etc. And there were things that I found at Sam's Club that I would never find anywhere else. I think once I saw some pumpkin-flavored popcorn. I even found a lot of Mexican candy and junk food that I would not expect to see in a Sam's Club in San Diego. Or when I do see it elsewhere in San Diego or any other store in the US, it's always in smaller amounts. So like, oh, here's some um, burritos that are like, uh, just only two piece. But here at Sam's, they sell you one that's dirty. There are also things I found there that Costco stopped selling for some reason or another. They had shredded beef, which I always enjoy buying, especially from Del Real Foods. Now, Costco does sell a lot of Del Real food products, but they stopped selling shredded beef for some reason, and I was always disappointed by that because that was my favorite thing, and other stores have it, but it's always in the smaller packaging, which is hard to justify when it's like $11 compared to, say, getting the bigger size for $15. When it came time for the membership to get renewed, I looked at it, 
Considered my options, went a few more times, I even went on the last day of the membership just in case I changed my mind, and in the end, I just decided to not bother renewing. There were a lot of factors to consider in this decision. For starters, it was too far off. It's a waste of hassle for me to get to this Sam's Club because I have to take all of these different streets to get there, whereas for Costco, I can just get on the trolley and there, I'm near one. It also didn't help that outside of the shredded meat, I could get everything else elsewhere, and sure, it'd be a little bit pricey, but I could still get it somewhere else. The one thing I kept buying for the longest time at Sam's were envelopes, which I always liked because they had them in big bulk 30 packs, and then they stopped selling them. I also admit I didn't go as much as often as I would to Sam's as Costco, since with Costco, I went there like every two weeks. With Sam's, well, I got an email from Sam's Club in their desperate attempt to get me to renew the membership, and it turns out in the year I had the membership, I only went 11 times. As in, in an average span of a year, I only went there once a month. By contrast, as I just said, I regularly go to Costco. Now, it might be because I'm a huge fan of Kirtland's signature. In fact, I actually own some sweatpants with the branding. But it's also because whenever I went to Sam's Club, I always felt like I was at a bootleg Costco, which may or may not have been unintentional, because I even went to the Sam's Club in Mexicali a few weeks before my membership expired, and it was really boring. Now, maybe it might be because the warehouse store theme can only take you so far. It might be that all warehouse stores look the same. But then again, maybe it's because I just love going to Costco. I feel like I can buy a lot more things at Costco that, oh, I can't find anywhere else. Where else can I find a pack of 48 batteries at a relatively good price? Where else can I find rotisserie chicken for 5 or $6? I, I don't remember the price. Where else can I find a place that offers great pizza that admittedly overdoes it with the cheese? Seriously, if you order a slice of cheese pizza, they will put way too much cheese on it. I just enjoy going to Costco. It never feels like a chore. It just feels like, oh sweet, we're going to Costco. Let's get some cool stuff and have some lunch while we're at it. But with Sam's, it always felt like a chore. Like, uh, well, I might as well go to Sam's Club. Now, I just want to point this out. If you're someone who lives near a Sam's Club or find the Sam's Club in your area to be closer than Costco, that's perfectly fine. I am not bashing Sam's Club. I am not saying Sam's Club is garbage. They have a great variety of items on sale at Sam's, some which Costco doesn't have. For example, Costco for some reason, or at least the places I've been to, only sell Heinz organic ketchup, yet Sam sells the regular version. It might be different in other areas where there are different warehouse stores that I admittedly would not know of, because for me, it's always been either Sam's or Costco, or in the early 90s, Price Club. Remember those? If you pledge allegiance to any certain warehouse store that just happens to be closer to you than, say, Sam's or Costco, more power to you. If you like Sam's, that's perfectly fine. If you're someone who can afford all of these warehouse club memberships, that's also fine. But for me, I'll just stick to my Costco membership. 
Finally, the Chargers lost. They choked away another win. One that was admittedly a very close game at the end, but then again, I was reminded a lot of the Falcons choking, and people made the comparisons of, oh, this was like the Falcons choking the Super Bowl, but there's a difference. The Falcons choked the Super Bowl. The Chargers, on the other hand, choked a wildcard game. It's not exactly the same thing. Now, was it horrible? Yes. Should Brandon Staley be fired as head coach? Yes. Will the Chargers learn anything from this and change? No. Was I happy the Chargers were winning halfway through the game? Sure. Was I expecting it to collapse? Yes. Maybe it's because I'm still upset the Chargers moved. And I know most people might say, Oh, it's been six years. Get over it. And I have. But then again, the city of San Diego really loves when the Chargers lose. And you might say, Do they do this with every team that's moved out of the city? No. Here in San Diego, I barely see anyone who mocks the Clippers or the Rockets. But the Chargers? Yeah, no, they're going to mock the hell out of them. Because even after moving to Los Angeles, sure, they're a few billion dollars more worth it. But in the end, they're paying rent to rent someone else's stadium. And they're not even the best team in Los Angeles. Oh, sure, they made the playoffs. But who got the Super Bowl ring first? And if you said the Rams, wrong, the Raiders but also the Rams. Still, I'll continue following them. After all, if they want to be the 8th best team in Los Angeles after even the Galaxy, let them. As for me, I'll still root for them. Besides, I have two backup teams. In addition to the Rams, how about them Cowboys? And on that note, that is all the time we have for today's show. If you would like to know when the next episode comes out, remember to follow or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite stream provider. You can also follow me on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram at MrJoelGarcia9. Until next time, thank you for listening.